Hey everybody, I want to take a second to tell you about Snagit 2022. I don't have time to go into all the details about Snagit 2022, but it has a variety of options for fast and easy to use video creation. It's got new ways to work across devices and platforms with the new cloud library. And your purchase or upgrade includes your first year of maintenance and the newly updated Snagit certification course. With 20 plus videos of Snagit how-tos, certification is a great way to help you speed up your workflows, unlock potential, and get your work done faster. So check out Snagit 2022 today at snagit.com. And now, back to the podcast. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, wherever you are, wherever you're watching or listening later on if you're listening to the podcast or the uh, the recorded version of this. We're grateful that you're here today. We've got another fantastic show. We've got Kara North is going to be joining me in just a minute. We're going to be talking about a bunch of stuff around our series around creating instructional video. So we'll get her on in just a second. Before we do that, though, I want to talk real quickly about a really cool opportunity for all of you that TechSmith is partnering and, and sponsoring. So let me just bring this up here and, and share this with you. So we've partnered, and I'm excited to announce we partnered with Thinkific and Zaley Barclay to support what's called Thinking Color 2021. Kicking off on July 27th, this three virtual event series will showcase 15 amazing female digital entrepreneurs hosting talks and workshops to help you create, market, and sell your own digital content. And if you're just getting started in creating your own online business, you won't want to miss it. Not only will you hear the story behind the glory of these 15 inspiring women, you'll learn strategies about things like creating impactful content, how to make your brand stand out, marketing strategies to grow your audience, create digital products that generate recurring revenue, and more. So you can register now for free and get access to amazing lineup of speakers and their insightful workshops. Plus, we've got an exciting opportunity to help you on your way to creating your own digital product. Three lucky members of the TechSmith community can win six months free on Thinkific, which is worth about $600. All you have to do is be entered in for a chance to win is to register for the event at at an exclusive link, which I'm going to put into the chat. And we'll maybe mention this again a little later, but go, go register. Even if you're, let me just say this, even if you're not like thinking, oh, I'm going to start my own business, create digital content, they're going to have ideas that will apply to your workspace and to all the things that you might do. And so go check out that awesome event. And there it is again, Thinking Color, July 27th, 28th. Now, with that said, let's move on to our show because we have a fantastic creator today, Kara North. So let me go ahead and just introduce you real quick. Kara is someone I look up to, and not not just because she's talented and smart and super insightful as it comes to things like a learning and development. She's amazingly giving with her time and knowledge. She's someone that understands is understanding and tackling real world instruct- instructional challenges, and is often found helping others to learn and enter the world of learning and development. Now, currently, Kara is, short, is, is serving as the operations training manager at Silfix. She worked in learning development for various organizations such as Amazon and the Ohio State University. Got to get the the in there. Uh, she's a self-proclaimed media junkie. You can find her sharing learning development content on Twitter, LinkedIn, and on her YouTube channel, Unfiltered ID. With that, please help me welcome Kara North to the Visual Lounge. Welcome, Kara. What a what an introduction! I, I need you to go around with me and introduce me everywhere, but everywhere. But uh, the admiration is mutual. You know, I look up to you as well, Matt. So thank you so much for having me here. 
Well, it is it is truly a pleasure to just to be here to be able to pick your brain and and, and talk to you. We you know we get to see each other, and usually the time is like we're being pulled in about. 17 different directions at events or conferences. And uh, so I, I love the chance just to sit down with you and, uh, you know, get to t talk about instructional design, talk about creating stuff, because I think we both have that passion. So bef before we get too far into that, though, you know, you know, introductions obviously say some things, but what else would you want the audience that's listening today and watching with us today to know about you? Anything else we should know? Uh, really, the only other thing I want to add is I recently launched a community cohort. And so I've kind of gotten out of the business of individual mentoring. Sadly, I just don't have the time to do it like I would like to. And so I, I don't know, I had this kind of vision or, you know, feeling in my heart, so to speak, um, a little bit earlier in this year of, you know, I'd like to give back to the community. And so I reached out and found some different organizations that needed help with instructional design. And I thought if I could take them on as clients and then have people be a part of that, that that would be a really good experience for people to get that real world experience doing instructional design. So I'm pleased to say we have uh, two clients currently, maybe a third because they just keep coming. Uh, I was overwhelmed. I had over 300 people apply. I picked 10 people to be part of this cohort but even if you weren't selected that's something you like to follow along with or be a part of I do have like a little project where people can work on another project that is not part of the main cohort so if you're interested in that maybe I'll pop the link to the slack over in the uh, the YouTube chat but yeah just really excited to to give back and help others really get that experience because I don't know about you Matt but you know I know we're both kind of I'm formally educated in, in the ID space. And when you read about ID, it sounds so simple in a book, right? Like, oh, you just do this, this, and this. But we know in the real world, it's messy. It's not linear. There's all these weird things that happen. So I want to kind of demystify that and, again, give people experience with a real client and also put out some good in the world. So I'm really excited about that. I'm going to be uh, officially kicking that off in the middle of July. Um, on my copious times during the weekend because, you know, I have a ton of free time going on. So, <laughs> Well, that is, that is amazing. And I hope anyone listening takes you up on the offer to, to join you and to, to learn, just to be able to learn from you because those 10 people that are in that cohort are going to be amazingly blessed by the opportunity to have those, that gr the growth opportunities. So, uh, and again, just always appreciate that you're always giving back. And sometimes, I don't know, I don't know how you have all the energy because I'm, I'm tired oftentimes. So we appreciate all that you're doing. So let's, let's dive into talking about our series. We're in this 10 week series about talking about instruction video. We have, we've had Jonathan Halls. I actually was going, I was, you know, scoping out your, some of your social media feeds. I saw you were reading one of Jonathan's books and, um, you know, I've, we've had Ashley Shazan on. She does a lot of tutorial videos. So uh, we've, we've learned a lot about the idea of creating video. Today, specifically, we want to get into a little bit about, eventually, about like measurement, right? Because one of the things that you and I both know, and I think a lot of people probably know, is like, you can make all the stuff that you want, but if it's not working, you know, why are you spending time on it? But before we do that, let, let me ask you this. What role do you think media really plays, um, particularly media like video, what role does it play in the instructional design? Let me not instructional design, just the instructional learning process. Oh, sure. So I think that media plays a really pivotal role, especially in the flow of work. So let's say that you have went through maybe a hands-on experience on the job and you've, you know, went through learning how to uh, create something or a process or et cetera. And then, you know, maybe it's been a week, two weeks, a month 
and then it's your turn to do it on your own and then you're like looking around like oh my gosh like i need need some help and while there may be like process documents or standard work procedures etc you know i don't know about you but when i don't know how to do something first thing i usually just go to youtube matt so um you know i think that it really is uh, pivotal in the performance support aspect of what we do because a lot of times people just need to see stuff they need to be able to digest it at their own speed so being able to pause rewind fast forward going through to again kind of see it and then take their time and going through it themselves i think is a really great gift with media yeah, for, for sure. I find myself often, particularly because I'm not super mechanically inclined, that there's certain things I, I try to figure out, like, you know, if I'm tuning a bike or something like that, that if I can't, like I'm reading instructions, it just doesn't work for me, right? And so being able, that gift of being able to show someone or be able to see it is, is really powerful. So, so for you, we're going to kind of go, we'll get to the measurement part, but I want to talk a little bit about just kind of instructional video for a second is for you, I know you make videos and your, your team, you have teams of people that your team that makes videos. What is just generally kind of, so we can kind of grasp where, what you do is what does that look like for you? What's the process flow? And I'm not asking for like super specifics, like, well, then I go 30 seconds in and I add a cut. I'm like, you know, just kind of generally, where do you start? What is, what are the big steps that you take throughout? Yeah, so uh, I'll do kind of, you know, two buckets. One, I'll do like kind of work, right? So for example, there's a project that we're currently working on here at work where we have these really sophisticated machines and golly, it is bananas what people will need to be able to do to use these machines appropriately. And while we have very, very detailed work instructions on, you know, do this, do this, do this, do this, do this, a lot of times what it's missing, I mean, the work instructions are usually the what, right? The very procedure, whatever, but a lot of times it's missing the how, right? So mm -hmm. like, what does this actually look like in practice? And so for us, what we want to do is we want to help illuminate what those gaps are and again, support people in the flow of work in the job you know a lot of our documents are very lengthy so being able to quickly go to what they need in that moment um, that is something that is really important to us so again focusing on what the person is needing to do right to be successful with that but again basing it in our you know rich documentation of what it is that they need to do so that's kind of like on the job and then like me personally as like a creator uh for me it's a little bit different like i i really focus on you know adding value so i mean i guess it's not that different but adding value back to whatever it is that i'm talking about so you know i i've done some series on questions that you should ask if you're thinking about getting a graduate what degree questions you should ask before enrolling in an ID Academy and a big reason I put that out there is because I just saw so many horror stories of people saying you know that didn't feel like that was the right fit for me or I signed up for this and that wasn't the right fit for me either and you know us as humans especially with everything that we've been through in the past year and a half I, I think that people are just really emotionally drained and sometimes that they're running on emotions when they're trying to make decisions and we know that's not, not always good because when you're running on emotions your critical thinking skills are out the door so you know just encouraging people to pause think about things Things before you dive into them and so I mean, again media is a great medium for that because it does allow somebody to go back through at their own pace of whatever it is that they need yeah and I well I love what you said about just adding value right and there's so many ways and I think even in kind of the corporate learning space as well as the kind of the outside creator space that value is so important um, you know 
as you said, that there's lots of procedure steps and sometimes it just, the value is that again, you can see it or you can hear it. You can, you can feel like you're, you know, I love the feeling of being able to see like, I'm like, I'm there with someone doing something so that I, you know, my, my likelihood of screwing it up, I'll probably still screw something up, but my likelihood is a lot, lot less smaller. And, and before we were talking, you know, you talked about in your industry and your company, there's, there's lots of dangers and, you know, having worked at a pharmaceutical those dangers are are real. It's not a like a oh maybe you'll cut your finger on a piece of paper. It's likelihood if you mess this up, you're 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 gonna be badly a best case scenario badly injured, worst case scenario dead. And so I think you know that that adding value is keeping people alive is that's a pretty good value. <laughs> Always, <laughs> always, always. We want to do that. Well, okay. So you've got your videos you're making, and you're you're making lots of learning content. So in in doing so, at what point are you deciding what you're going to measure against? So you know, as you go through these processes, and you're you know probably creating hundreds and thousands of courses uh, for your organization. When are you kind of deciding, like, how are you going to understand if like the video or what you know you're making an articulate storyline? piece or something, some training, maybe it's just a written training. How do you, how are you deciding when and where you're going to measure that? Like, and how are you deciding if, if you're going to, how you're going to know if it's working? Yeah, it's a, it's a great question. And to borrow from the field of dreams, if you build it, they won't necessarily come. All right. So just because you build something and put a lot of effort into it, if it's not um, accessible and by accessible, I mean, you know, they can get to it easily and it doesn't, again, add value. It doesn't matter what you build. If the content to me isn't there, doesn't matter how pretty you make it, it's just not going to resonate with people. So um, from a measurement perspective, it's really interesting. I am still kind of newer in my role. And so I've been trying to set up more kind of processes in how we do evaluate metrics for various things that we do. So as a team, uh, we have adopted Kathy Moore's action mapping. And so for us, everything that we do, we want to make sure that it is tied back to some kind of a key performance indicator in our business and it focuses on what someone needs to do with that information to be successful at X, Y, and Z. So that is kind of the heart of our media strategy when we build things out, our learning experience strategy when we, you know, maybe put videos in like an articulate rise or, you know, something like that. Although I do have to say, Matt, I don't know, I, she's probably not watching right now, but I do have a team member who loves Snagit so much, it's her strange spouse. So I'm just putting that out there. She loves <laughs> she loves her some Snagit and uses it all the time. But, um, you know, again, it's, it's focusing back on what it is that somebody needs to do and if it's something that they can use. So um, we have started also building out a lot of evaluative tools. We've been putting evaluative pieces in a lot of the stuff that we have and we take that very very seriously it's something that we monitor we want to make sure that it's hitting the mark and if there's feedback of saying you know you didn't cover this or this is needed or whatever we do want to dive back into that and make sure that that is what uh, we are providing value on because ultimately learning and development, you know, we are a service to the business, okay? And we want to make sure that we are serving the people here at the company um, and then wherever you're working at, because if it wasn't for them, we wouldn't be needed. So ultimately, I think it's a big responsibility to make sure, again, we're adding value, but then again, we are tracking it. There is some kind of a key performance indicator mapped to whatever it is that we're creating that we can say yes by going through this and 
applying it to your job, you will be better at pr producing more widgets or, you know, making sure you don't mess up widgets or whatever that that looks like for your organization. Wow, there is a ton there we can we could we can spend time unpacking. It, my, if my memory was just better, I would go back to the beginning. We'd start breaking down what you've talked about. Uh, but so a couple things I, I think that I've taken away from here is that obviously measurement is super important, and and you need to have a strategy for this, right? And you you mentioned Kathy Moore's uh, action mapping, I believe was what you said. So for for you you know, as you're thinking about the design, kind of the whole phase, at w what point are you making these decisions about the, the measurements? Are you doing that upfront, kind of like first thing first, or are you going to, are you doing that like, because I think one of the things that happens for a lot of people new is they go out and they're like, we're going to make a video and they make, then they make the video and then say, oh yeah, we need to figure out if this video is going to be successful. And I, I don't know that that's the right way to do it. So what, what would you recommend to, to our good new friends in the learning development space about where should they be making these decisions? Yeah, I think at the very beginning, uh, that that's the, the key thing when we get a project request come in and they're like, hey, we want to make training or we want this or whatever. Next question is, okay, well, what problem is this solving? How is this impacting our metrics, et cetera? So that is one of the things we get out of the way in the beginning. And if there's something that can't be impacted, then that's when you ask the follow-up questions, Matt. Like, well, you know, if, if this really is a problem, like what else have you done to try to solve it? Um, is this something that could be like an environmental issue? Is it a one-off situation that maybe you have a particular employee that needs additional um, help or time or something like that? So really, again, focusing on kind of that consultative piece. And it is very hard. I'm, I'm not going to sugarcoat it here. It is very hard as a new learning development professional to master this. I do also think it really relies on your leadership and your learning development department to set the tone. It is really hard if you have a learning development manager or leader that just wants you to be in a content factory and you trying to push this back if this is kind of the standard that is set at your organization. So I do think it starts absolutely with the top to push. But, you know, having people follow up with questions, asking them, and again, putting on that detective hat, right? I think that's the best thing about just learning and development in general is, you know, solving kind of these problems and, you know, getting into the weeds and, and learning something. I, I'm amazed by what I learn on a daily basis every day just by asking questions and getting more information about what our stakeholders need. But absolutely, Matt, you have to start with what it is that you're doing to impact the business and start with that KPI. Yeah, uh, and I, I love what you said about the, being a detective. And uh, a couple of things come to my mind is one, the like we, we talked about, we're both kind of formally trained in this. And the program that I went to was called Instructional Systems Technology. And the idea being that you look at the system, it's it, was not, it wasn't like a, let's teach you how to be an instructional designer. That was an outcome but it was really about thinking about all the different system things, points along the way that it could be a training issue. It could be like a motivation issue. It could be, a, you know, some kind of other like workflow issue. Like there's all these things you could look at. And so I love that perspective and that, you know, as much as I'm a fan of video and as TechSmith, we're fans of video, we love everything to be a video. It's, it, we, we recognize that that's not, that's not the way it works, but to understand the impact that you're going to have, you have to, 
you have to get these measurements up front. And I love and I love that advice because you're right. It, it's it's hard at times to get the right tone and to understand everything. It's but I love that perspective of being a detective and investigating. I will say that I have learned in my life because of being an instructional designer way more about water purification than I ever thought I'd ever know. And uh, it's 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 and it sticks with you a little bit. I mean, I I won't say I could run a water purification system, but. I know where the water is going to go, what process it goes to, to be clean enough to use in our medicine. So, <laughs> well, well, and me... to the point about the, the video, if I may, you know, another yeah. thing that um, we're finding more and more useful, at least in our work, is it doesn't necessarily have to be a video. And I don't remember if your team GIF or GIF, Matt, so I apologize. But, you know, even just using little hints of animation through like GIFs or GIFs to show, just to remind people how to sign into a system in case, you know, they need that performance support because it's something they don't do on a daily basis. Um, that can be really powerful. Um, pairing it with a communication that may go out to the organization of like, hey, uh, we have these surveys coming out, employee engagement surveys. If you need to sign in or want to see, here's some um, examples of how to sign in with paired with a, a, a GIF, I think is really powerful as well. So it doesn't even necessarily have to be a video, but it could be a GIF. And again, the KPI could be to, you know, again, encourage people who maybe have a barrier to entry, et cetera, to um, get into that system because it's something that they, they don't do on a frequent basis. Uh, it's like a once a year thing. Absolutely. I love those kind of performance reminders, things. And I, I have them. One of my earliest keys to that was we had a, a CFO who was doing some tax stuff that he did like maybe once a quarter and it was just complicated enough. He's like, he said, I spent more time every quarter trying to figure out how to remember where things, which things go where. He's like, he said, I just made a video for myself. And I, so I, I love that. And for the record, I'm team GIF because we don't have, uh, you know, there's anyways, we won't get into it. It's fine. I'm team gift yeah. too, but I didn't know. So cool. No, I know some people it's, it's, it's an important piece, but I'll, I'll go with whatever you say. So, <laughs> so, okay, let me, let me, let's keep going with our, our questions. So we've got, we've talked about kind of the importance of measuring. We've talked about when it's important to measure for, for you. Are there differences between you, you mentioned a little bit about like the, or for doing this for the organization, right? For the outcomes. Cause you've probably got senior leaders that have expectations and you've got expectations and, and granted they're all moving us forward to the same kind of end state, hopefully. Um, but do you find that often your, your, the things that you want to measure are aligning well with senior leadership or are there things that like that are, are different there for you? Yeah, that's a wonderful question. I think overall for at least me, yes, but I do also sit in the operations side of the business. Now, uh, this is a question I always encourage people on learning development interviews to ask if it's not part of the job description where the L&D department sits in a business. So if you're sitting in an HR department, you might have a different set of metrics like, you know, com compliance metrics or, you know, um, things for various reporting that they have to do. If you sit in an IT uh part of the business, you might be looking at, you know, number of customers served or, you know, any evaluation data on how it was received or, you know, so there's all these different kind of metrics. But for for me, for the team where I'm currently at, it makes a whole lot of sense because, again, we're supporting our operations, supporting uh, the products that we create and making sure that they're being uh, created uh, by 
by people that, that know what they're doing, that they're not scrap, and that it's something that our customers can use. So ultimately, I think that we are fairly aligned with that. But I will also say that, you know, we're, we're blazing a new, new trail also. So, you know, incorporating video, doing more e-learning, this is something newer for the company. So it has taken some time to win over various stakeholders pretty bluntly. But, um, you know, we do have champions in the business that through their relational equity and through partnerships with us, they've also helped us make tremendous progress on a lot of things that we've done. If you don't mind, I'd love to, I would love kind of the insight as you, you know, you talked about these barriers and some, cause I think that's, I think that's true in a lot of organizations. I'm curious, what are some of the barriers that you, you think you've, you've seen or come up across and, and then what was it that helped maybe us kind of shift the thinking if, if there is something I, and I, I realize fully that some barriers are just, you know, old thinking, they didn't, they didn't know. And, and, you know, and sometimes they don't change and sometimes you get lucky and people are like, Oh yeah, actually I didn't, I didn't know what I was talking about. That never really happens. But uh, I'm curious for you, cause I think I imagine there's someone who's going to watch this or listen to this. That's going to, is feeling that same struggle, right? Like, Oh, we want to do more. And I don't care. We could put like, let's put a blank line under where video is. And we could say it's video and then flip the card and it's, it's uh, images, it's audio, it's, interactive media, whatever it is. Um, but I'm so curious if, if you can, would you be willing to share some of those, like maybe one or two experiences or examples that you've had? Sure. So I have a quote from Dr. Michael Allen, actually in my email signature that I think sums this up perfectly. If training were enough, or excuse me, if content was enough, we would only have libraries and not schools. And I just love that quote so much because I think one of the barriers that, you know, I have hit in my career is that people think that content equals training. Oh, here's the content, give it to them, they're trained, right? And I know better, Matt, I know you know better. And I think most people, if they just stop and think about it, they know better too, but they just think, oh, if I get the content out there, then they'll figure it out. They'll go back to it. But the problem is, where's the content at and how easy is it to get to? So I like to use the analogy of the Tootsie Roll pop. How many looks does it take <laughs> to get to the center of the Tootsie Roll? How many clicks does it take to get to the content in your learning management system? Uh, most organizations, it's, it's a lot. I mean, uh, my last institution, everything was under two-factor authentication. Even to get into email was two-factor authentication and it just never got old and there was like a little meme that you know even people that like would graduate from there like their diploma would have a two-factor authentication it was not <laughs> not popular so I think that that's kind of the first barrier and so um, we we had a project come in and um, some folks on the team just did a tremendous job with it it was a very high priority project um, they wanted to put together a PowerPoint for it. And, you know, we're like, eh, PowerPoint might not be the best way if this is a critical message that we want to get across to make sure that we are focused as a whole organization, making sure that we're focused on good manufacturing practices. Okay. So, you know, very proud of the team. The team was like, no, like, let's focus on what people need to do. And so they ended up uh, creating uh, an e-learning 
I'll never forget this. And um, when I was at Amazon, whenever we dealt with difficult internal or external customers, uh, there was a term for it called a turtle flip. And so if you were able to take the turtle, so to speak, who's on its back and they're all angry and they can't get up, you're able to flip them and they're happy. Like there was like a little award that you would get if you had a turtle flip, like it was, it was recognized. So um, members of my team did what I call a turtle flip that day because there was a stakeholder like, I don't know why we just can't put out a PowerPoint. Like, I, I don't like this, blah, blah, blah. And then, you know, they're like, well, look, let's just, let's just show you what we got. And then at the end, oh, this is the most beautiful thing I've ever seen. I love it. I want more, you know, et cetera. So I think, you know, really taking advantage of opportunities to, to demonstrate the effectiveness of doing something different, I think is really important because people really don't know what they don't know. And if they've only experienced training one way, whether it's just, you know, hand in a sheet of paper or a PowerPoint slide or whatever that is, you know, it can be really hard for people to imagine it a different way. And so get being patient with your internal stakeholders, as well as your external stakeholders, and taking the time to educate them, showing them what's possible. I think a really good tip uh, is, you know, if you're building out examples of things that you can do, I think that that's a nice little tip just to show uh, people like what, what your team is capable of, I think is really, really critical, right? So I think just being able to show the value again and let them see it for themselves is something that, you know, that's been a big barrier for us. But yes, I, I think ultimately there's a lot, a lot of organizations that think content equals training and that's definitely not the case. Yeah, so uh, I love the turtle flip analogy, and actually uh, Ashley Adams over on YouTube said she she loved it as well. Uh, Keebler Powell said that uh, classic barrier, but we've always done it this way, uh, is one of the hardest to break down, ain't it? And which it's it's so true, right? Just those kind of built in, ingrained. We're going with the going with the flow is always seems to be easier than introducing the new the new thing, new media or trying to do it. So I, I love I love those things and thank you uh, everyone who's watching and commenting. Um, so we've talked a little bit about kind of the, the measurement stuff, but I want to I want to step back a little bit because I think one of the things that for a lot of people and, and not just instructional design, but I see this in marketing, I see this in other departments as well. So it's not like a, a solo just our world problem. Uh, is that just measuring is tough, right? Like it, it's tough to know what to measure. It's tough to get the data. It's tough to figure out, you know, how to get it all done. So as you're going through your processes, uh, like what, what, what advice would you give us about? Because it is, it's, we know it's, we're, let's just say it's a universal truth at this point. It's hard to measure stuff for most people. What advice do you give to the L and D world about that? Because it, we can't, that can't be the thing that stops us. So what do we do? Yeah. So I think I'll give three pieces of advice. Uh, number one, make sure whatever it is that you're creating from a media standpoint goes through multiple reviews before it gets to the end user. So ideally you have some people going through it um, who are basically your target population, the subject matter experts, have them go through it and have the, the learning development team go through it. I think that that's really critical because if you design it in a vacuum or design it with only one perspective uh, giving you feedback, it's not going to probably hit the mark that you want it to. So doing that on the front end, I think really helps on the back end, make sure that it is a little bit more inclusive for, for more, fo more folks. So that would be one. Uh, two, 
constantly get feedback. I mean, there there is nothing wrong with adding in uh, ways to give feedback directly to the team. Uh, make it clear that people are encouraged to reach out and say things that they like or didn't like. You know, uh, I will say our organization, uh, I have no problem getting feedback from people. They, they are very good about giving feedback, uh, the good, the bad, and the ugly <laughs> on, <laughs> on what they think on, on various things. So, so that, you know, is important. And then three, uh, you know, ha again, ha have that strategy in mind. So going back to whatever your key performance indicator is at the beginning, you know, do a 30, 60, 90 on it. So after 30 days, after it's been out there, you know, start to look at it. Okay. Has this key performance indicator been um, impacted at all? Um, it, it, are there any changes? Is there anything going? And, you know, I'm very fortunate here. We have an awesome uh, data department and I work very closely with the manager there who, who keeps me abreast of some of the metrics that we have. So I can, he's actually my office neighbor. So I could just like knock on the wall and tell him to, to get me something and he would. But um, I think that those are the kind of the three things. So one, make sure that you are testing it with the training population. Uh, two, make it easy for people to give constant feedback on it. And then three, take a 30, 60, 90 out after it's out there. You know, are people using it? Is it messing or, or impacting rather the, the metric that you said that it would? And if not, you know, continue to, to address because I think that that is probably one of the other hardest things for new learning development people to get is, you know, knowing when it's good enough to put out there. <laughs> Because right. I think you can massage a project to death, right? And and there are things that I put out there every time I see it, I like cringe. Like I want to change that one pixel or I want to do that there. But, you know, be, being comfortable enough to get your work out there so you are getting that feedback to make sure that it's improving and, uh, you know, doing what it needs to do. Yeah. Well, what fantastic. I, I'm even I, now I'm just taking notes because I'm like, I'm learning at your feet, Kara. This is amazing. Uh, so the multiple reviews makes total sense to me, right? Like make it more inclusive, just that, that way, you know, what's going on. I love this idea of getting the feedback. And I, you know, I have to laugh because I struggle to ask for feedback. Like, I don't, I don't like, give me the good feedback. Give me the okay feedback, but I don't want to hear the really nitpicky stuff. I just get like, Oh, I don't care about your, if you don't like the color, but I, I, but what I like that you said in there, and that's my own personal bias, but what I really like is that you're training that quote, quote, training your audience, your employee, your workforce, your employees to do it. And I think what a, what a valuable insight, um, because I think, you know, we can collect data. There's all the data in the world, but what we want to really see is that those people be affected, right? Like what what the changing the behavior changing their actions doing things differently being safer being healthier being you know more effective or whatever it might be so i love that and then the the, the really crux of this is all is i love you're talking about this 30 60 90 because if it's not working you gotta you gotta kill it right you gotta get rid of your ugly babies and all all the things that you love even if they're not working and I think that's really hard for a lot of us to do is get rid of the things that aren't working because we want it to continue working. So I appreciate that. That's really, really awesome advice. Um, so let's, let's take this a little bit deeper now. Let's talk a little bit specifically about video. So when it comes to video, how are you like, we've talked kind of generally about measurements and you know, you gotta, 
are there certain things that you look for to, to know if a video in particular is working or, or are you kind of just using all the other training metrics that you're gathering to, to, to do that? I'm just, and I know you have some personal videos, so maybe that even lends some insight here as well. Sure. So I, I think, first of all, it would depend on the purpose of the video. So there's kind of like, I think, kind of multiple videos you could make. So one would be, you know, kind of a how to, right? Like this is how to do X. Uh, this is what this looks like, the, how to do this process. That's one thing. But then there's another kind of video that uh, we haven't really dived into, at least here in this organization. But, you know, kind of like the, the story based and these, the, these kind of, uh, tells that like get you in and like you're you're using it in scenarios or situations that people may face in in work so i think whether it's kind of those two it might depend on whatever for a how-to i think that you know a good well again this is kind of my own bias here i guess but i, I think that it's really good if it's you know gets right to the point um, I, I love videos that will segment out and use chapter features. TechSmith Camtasia makes it super easy. If you mm -hmm. use the little markers and you export it out, it will keep those timestamps for you. So uh, chunking that out, I think, is really good. So have an example of this. We had a stakeholder. We have a system that we use here in our organization uh, create this, gosh, like 15 minute walkthrough of the system and it was just uh, it was monolithic but we were able to say okay uh, they do this they do this they do this and they do this and so then at the bottom of like the the intro video it had the name of whatever it was and then it was an active link that they could click on to hop to that part of the video so again you don't want to waste people's time right uh, you want to make sure that it is something that they can hop into use immediately get what they need get out and then you know keep kind of going back to work so that's a nice feature that we use and I think that it's it's effective that way so making sure that it's very user-friendly I think is something regardless of the type of video that you are making that you want to be uh, cognizant of because again if it's not user-friendly what's the point of of making it you know nobody wants to just watch video to watch video I mean maybe they do but they don't want to watch video about work stuff let's put it that way <laughs> right YouTube videos sure uh, you know other videos they're not usually just watching for because there's no maybe entertainment value well I want to turn to some of the questions that have been coming in via the different channels. So if you, are, are you ready? Because some of these are tough and some, uh, if we slaughter your question and, and don't understand it, you'll just have to give us feedback in the chat. Uh, so the first question was from Hemingway and, and he says, or, or she, I don't, I'm not sure. My question is in any instructional videos uh, has many components such as recording, editing, the instructor component, the content, and so on. How do we measure all of these variables effectively? And so I think the if I'm, I'm gonna interpret the question here, I think there's so many parts of a, a video, like how do you know, what's the thing that maybe you make the change for for the next time? Any any thoughts or ideas? Again, I'm gonna go back to, I think, you know, the good bones of anything in the learning development world is the content. So making sure that it is the correct content for the medium that you're designing for, and that it's content that is um, written in a way that people can understand. Um, it's focused on what someone needs to do with the content. Um, it's 
Goldilocks, you know, not too much, but not too little, right? And I know that's a really hard standard to hit. But I think if there's any adjustments, usually it is almost 99.9% the content. Like it's got to have good bones. Um, Dr. David Merrill uses this great analogy of like, you know, a semi truck with goods, right? So the technology is the, this definitely the semi truck, right? But ultimately, what do we want our end users to have the goods inside them, right? And so, uh, you know, you can use whatever to get to get it there. But if the goods aren't um, something that somebody can use, what what's the point? But um, you're right, it gosh, it is a lot of time. And uh, it takes a lot of different elements to uh, create storyboard, you know, do voiceover, get your different B-roll or, you know, your main footage of the video. It, it is a lot, a lot of work. The, the other thing, too, that I think is really important is I think that um, a lot of users are fairly forgiving if it's a little bit uh, grainy or something as far as the quality goes. But I think if it's bad audio and it's something they can't get out of, I think that's a deal breaker. I don't know how you feel about that, Matt. Oh, well, I talk about that all the time. I think you can get away. I think you can get away with a lot of things. No, not on audio with video visuals. Um, and I, I also think to the point here is that like you just a couple things that you've already told us about, like getting feedback, like is, is something like really bugging the end users, right? Do they have feedback on the, the voice or the style or, or whatever? And then, and then just experimenting. Like, I think there's room to keep trying different things and, uh, my guess is that, and you've, you've experienced this too, is that you can't just do one thing and then just repeat it 90 million times because the user's going to see it and they're going to be like, mm, I've seen, now it just feels like all the other ones. And so you got to keep iterating and changing and trying different things to make it successful. So uh, next question, if you're ready. This one is uh, from, I think, I'm, I'm sorry about names, everyone. Uh, R. Toth, Camp says, do you find retention checkpoints along video training paths are good measurements? Any false positive experiences from either of you with this approach? So I'm, I'm assuming by checkpoints, we're talking about kind of like knowledge checks or other things that, you know, make sure you're getting what you need along the way. Any, any thoughts? Yeah, I I wish I had that uh, prepared. I read recently there was some research about this, and it was in one of the ed tech journals, and now I can't remember it for the life of me. But basically, they did like an A or B test. Um, a test was they had like a video that had multiple pause points where like a little knowledge check question would come up, and it wasn't anything major. It was like a little formative assessment of you know what do you think about this or you know etc. And I want to say those. Um, while they remembered or was able to apply the content better, they had a negative um, user, not like a negative, but like they had a lower user experience versus the other one that was just, um, they didn't have that in there. So as far as like building those out, that's something that we haven't really messed with here yet. But um, I do think that it could be a little bit more effective depending on how you do it. So I uh, just for fun, because this is the kind of person that I am, built out a prototype of actually a branching video using TechSmith Camtasia just to see if I could do it. And so what I would do is it was a little conversation and then they have like the different little hotspots that would jump to different time points on on the video. Now, whenever it is advancing something like that, like in that example, I do think that something like that could definitely be more engaging for retention, right? Because they're like, huh, I wonder what's going to happen next. It's getting them in to the element of the story and letting them uh, kind of 
be more active in it versus just like consuming it and being passive. But as far as like the little knowledge checks, I know me personally, I'm not a fan of them as a user because I feel like they're kind of disruptive. Um, if I'm watching something, I want to like be focused on it myself. Um, but then also, I mean, this is another little side soapbox is, you know, how well is the assessment question written? Is it just like written so something silly just to distract me? Or is it actually adding value back to helping me uh, apply that onto the job? So I, I'm a little bit picky about my assessments, but that's another topic for another day. <laughs> <laughs> for sure. I, well, so I guess the only thing I would add is I think for the most part, I wouldn't use them. If your video is going to be that long and you need to have knowledge checks to check, like make those smaller, just make those videos, right? Like, and then you have your assessment at the end. And the only thing I would say is there is some, and I'm trying to think of uh, where I read this research, but like the, the use of like pausing and having people reflect on what, like, and not, it's not an assessment. It's not like a true false kind of multiple choice question, but having people actually take some time to maybe write and reflect on the things that they've been learning or to go and apply can be really powerful. Um, but I think those are gotta be used few and far between. Cause could you imagine every video doing that? And all of a sudden you're like, oh my gosh, and people are just gonna skip it. But in the right time, the right place, the right content, I can see that being valuable for in, like reinforcing the learning. But I think what you said was, uh, was spot on. And so, yeah, I wouldn't, I don't know if I'd, do it too much. I think there's other ways to probably get people to review and check in and make sure that they're getting it occasionally. Sure. But maybe not all the time. Okay. We've got another question here. And then after this question, I think we'll move to our speed round and then we'll have some fun. Uh, so Keeper, Keebler Powell on YouTube says on the engineering side, DFX design for quality costs, etc., is commonplace. Are there ways to build a training systems in which you DFFP designed for feedback. So the data loop back is built in. In essence, you build the package around the metrics you use, uh, use to consider the system to be successful. Not sure if Karen would have anything to add to this. So you're smiling like you have some inside knowledge here. Yeah, so um, Keebler Powell is someone that I work with, so of course ah. I have to get a get a curveball here. Um, so no, I think I think it's a fair question. So I'll just generalize here. You're talking about how do you build, um, you know, content for feedback and etc. And, and again, it's going to go back to kind of what I said earlier. You know, making sure that that end user knows that this is part of their journey and that um, this is a partnership, right? I, I really, really think a lot of learning development uh, departments and organizations fail because they put themselves as, you know, it's us versus them. And I've always just kind of had like the service mentality of we're here to support the users, right? I mean, we sit, often learning development sits in a really weird spot where we're not usually in the front line, but we're also not in the C-suite either. And so we have to like kind of be the mediator between what C-suite says we need for improving our organization and then what folks on the user um, side actually say that they need to do their jobs more effectively. So it's this really interesting dynamic between those two levels. And you're kind of like, I like to say in the gray space of the organization, sometimes as you're doing that. So I, I think setting setting clear expectation that this is a partnership. We want you to be part of the learning journey. We want your feedback. We want to continue to improve this for others. And um, two, I think the greatest gift that 
uh, learning development teams have is anybody that comes into something with a fresh set of eyes. One of my favorite questions to ask when I'm developing content is, how can I screw this up if I'm a new person? And you get a lot of insight from that because they'll say, well, you know, you could do this or you could do that. And those are great things for scenarios. Those are great little things to send out after they went through it. Hey, you've had this for, um, you know, you were trained on this a, a week ago. We wanted to check in and remind you here's a common mistake that people may have. Crosswalk it back to some of the other stuff that we have. So and then again, continue to get feedback from from the user. So I think that it can be done very well, but I think it's the way that it's delivered and people know if it's disingenuous. So I'm um, really coming at it from, you know, we're here to serve you. We're here to support you. I mean, that's why I love learning development. You get to be a part of people's success. And I truly mean that. Like I, I love, love, love that, but you can't help people be successful without knowing what people need. And you need that feedback. Yeah, well, it seems like it would be helpful to just remember that the the ultimate goal of LND is we are servants of the the organization to to help people, like those those and the people that are taking our. They, if we don't have those people to take our courses, what are we doing? We're not doing anything, right? Like we don't have jobs, and so remember, it seems like to just add to what you said is just remembering that makes it all the more important that we are getting their feedback because we have to obviously balance what the the C suite wants. And the metrics and the the outcomes and the things to make the business keep going, but we also got the people who are taking the courses. And if we're making really awful stuff that that they can't stand, it's probably going to lessen the effect on the other side too. So, thank you for that answer. You took a complicated yeah. question that I wasn't sure I understood, and you made something made something awesome for it. Before we jump into our speed round, uh, will you tell us about your uh, the cool thing that you're doing to help people find instructional design jobs? Oh, that? Okay, I guess. Okay. So I, this is so yeah, cool. So I uh, started posting jobs on LinkedIn, and I try to do that every weekday, but sometimes I don't get to it, but mostly weekday-ish, we'll put it that way. Um, just jobs that I find on LinkedIn. When the pandemic hit last year, uh, my one of my best friends actually lost his job, and like he's wicked talented, and I was thinking, gosh, if that would happen to him, it could definitely happen to anybody, and I know that people are struggling to find jobs. So I uh, post remote-only United States-based jobs, okay? So don't don't send me messages about, oh, you don't do this for this. Trust me, I've gotten enough of that for the past year and a half. So um, you can uh, either follow me on LinkedIn or the hashtag hot ID jobs, or if you actually send a text message to that phone number that he put below his picture that you can uh, subscribe to my text messaging uh, list. And so I send those out. If you're on East Coast, you'll get the text at 9 a.m. Eastern time. If you're in Central, uh, Mountain or Pacific, it will come at noon Eastern time because I don't want to send something like insanely early and wake people up. So um, that's how I have it coming out. So all I need is you just to send a text message and then I'll get it on there, get you added to the list. And then at any time you want to get off the list, just send a message to unsubscribe. It's that easy. Yeah. Well, I, you know, I've, I've been watching this happen for a while now and just think it's so cool. Uh, and I, I imagine it's helping a lot of people. So it's thank you for all that you're doing. Well, we're going to move into our speed round section as just for, for Kara's sake, this is going to be fast, quick answers. So we don't want to get too long winded, but let's jump in right now. Okay. 
All right, here we go. Our first question. You can only pick one. What's one uh, effect you would keep in your video creation? Oh. Mm. <laughs> it's tough. Mm. Mm. In the creation? Mm-hmm. So like transitions, a zoom effect, uh, you know, annotations, something, something like that. Oh, I would definitely probably say annotations. All right. Cool. What's one thing you think everyone needs to learn about instructional design? And I'm talking about everyone. Oh, uh, that you will never know everything and you need to be okay with that. Awesome. Love it. Okay. I had to do some digging and so I, I knew nothing about this topic. Which is the best Jonas brother? Nick, that's easy. Okay. I, I, I'm probably on some list now because I looked up the Jonas Brothers. <laughs> Will you be seeing them on tour? Absolutely, yeah. I already have my tickets. They're going to be in Cincinnati. They're not stopping in Columbus, sadly, but I'll go to Cincinnati to see them. Yep. Perfect. I, I, I figured you would be. So yes. you, you get to mentor a lot of people. What's the one piece of advice you consistently give? Uh, get a uh, network and really focus on creating relationships with other people. I would not be where I am today had people not given me their time to help me along the way. And it's my uh, privilege and honor and I think my calling to pay it forward to other people. That's awesome. I love it. So uh, why do some people call you the Burninator? <laughs> <laughs> well, um, so... When I play, anytime I play Dungeons and Dragons, I try to set everything on fire. Which is about like once a year at a conference with me. Correct. And, uh, yes. So, so as your character, you're setting things on fire, but never in real life, we hope. True. <laughs> as a, a self-proclaimed social media junkie, what is your social media guilty pleasure? Oh, gosh. Um going through like hashtags. And so one of my favorite hashtags to go through is training sucks just to see how much people dislike what they're going through in their, um, their job. And it, they don't like us, but I can understand why sometimes. So on one of the uh, recent posts you post on LinkedIn for the, the hot ID jobs, uh, let me just post it again here, that, that people can text here to get. If they go to LinkedIn, you often put a question that people should respond to because the way the social network works is it amplifies the post. Recently you asked, what's one thing that you're exceptionally bad at? Your answer was swimming. So we don't need to ask that question, but what I'm curious about is what are you exceptionally good at? Oh gosh. I like to think nothing because I think I could continue to learn things, but um, exceptionally good at, I think, would be uh, doing a lot of things with the limited time that I have. Um, so I'm very methodical. I know that, you know, I work at uh, my job X amount of hours, but I know that every day I plan out extra things that I'm going to do and work little pieces on all of that. So I think I'm really good with having a set schedule on getting everything done. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, just by the looks of all the things that I see you putting out and doing, I, yeah, you must be because I don't know how you do it all. It's, it's incredible and it's inspiring. Speaking of inspiring, where do you turn for inspiration? Oh gosh. Um, my parents would definitely be first and foremost. Uh, if I'm looking for design inspiration, I love to go to Behance or Dribble just to see some of the creative stuff that people are doing. And then um, I'm always on the Articulate eLearning uh, community. They have good stuff. And then I also love going through TechSmith Academy. You always have new stuff on there as well to get inspired. And by the way, 
love, love, love the certification, uh, going through that, going through those videos. I learned a ton of stuff I didn't even know about TechSmith. I like to think that I'm a pretty decent Camtasia user, but I, I picked up a lot of good tricks there. So thank you. You are welcome. And so for people that don't know, if you have maintenance with Snagit or Camtasia, you can get access to the certification programs for, for both of those pro or either of those programs. And uh, yeah, it's fantastic. Just, just I, I did have a small role in, in, in the earlier ones, not this, this last one, but it, I'm grateful to hear that because, you know, you always, it's, it's like you said, you put stuff out there and you just, you're hoping that it actually hits the mark. So thank you. Okay. Last question. And it's a doozy. You ready? What's a question you would like to ask me? Get oh. one question for me. Oh my goodness. Golly. What was the worst piece of conference feedback you ever got? <laughs> oh my gosh. Uh, so, okay. So here, here's, here's my honest truth about conference feedback. It takes me about a month or two before I can, I can open it. Like I get it. I see it. And I, I might just quickly like, Ooh, and then I close it and I try not to read it too soon because I, even if it's been months after, cause it just fills me with dread. So I'm trying to remember which exact one, if there was like a specific piece that was just here. Usually it's the stuff I'm going to generalize here, but it's like, um, didn't seem to know what he was talking about or like, uh, just like went too fast and his slides were, you know, didn't have enough content on them or things like things like that. Just like I can't, or things I can't do anything about, or if they would have just like said something like I couldn't hear him in the back of the room. Like, I can fix that if you tell me then. I can't do anything now. So just sometimes it's like, I love, I get really good feedback. And then there's always a few that are, you're just like, you're reading it and you're like, uh, why? But I, you know, I'm also the person, I take the good feedback and I'm like, oh, nice. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Okay. Bad feedback. Oh, whatever it said and amplify it 30,000 times. Like I shouldn't, shouldn't do it, but that's what I do. So. How about you? If it makes you feel any better, yeah, I had a DevLearn feedback that basically said uh, negative. It's like, I couldn't get in the room and there was no seat for me. I'm sorry. <laughs> like, I don't know what you want me to do. Will you stop being so gosh darn good and popular that people want to fill the room? I mean, well, next I time, just, I don't know. Next time I'm at your session, if I have a seat, I will gladly give it up and stand in the back for that person. So. Someone can come tap me on the shoulder and I'll give up my seat for them so they can be in your session. Well, Kara, thank you so much for, for joining us today. Thank you for all your wisdom and insights and, and just being such a, uh, I mean, not only in all the other things you do, but just giving so much today. And we hope that everyone that's watching this, I hopefully they've had a good experience. So thank you again, Kara. Um, before you wrap up, before, before we end today's session, just let me know, what do you think about the show? What do you think about the interviews that we're doing? What do you think about the series? You have a way to give us feedback. We love getting your feedback. So you can email us at thevisuallounge at techsmith.com. Or if you go on to Apple Podcasts or any of the podcast plays, YouTube, wherever you can leave comments and feedback, you can do that as well. We, we look at it all. I don't wait. I don't put it off for two months. Other people make me read it. They, they force my eyes open, so I have to look at it. But we want to know what you think. We want compliments. We want what could we do better? What topics would you like to see? All this stuff so we can make a better show for each of you. With that said, 
Uh, one other thing I just I need to mention here, let me just bring it up real quick. I uh, want to just highlight, because TechSmith is awesome, we won an award, Remote Tech Through Breakthrough Award of the Year for Camtasia uh, as the Employee Training Solution of the Year, so that's a big deal. We also, uh, big news, broke ground for a new building. So if you're in the Michigan area, you're looking for jobs, TechSmith has a lot of roles open. We'd love to, to hear from you. If you think you can contribute to our organization, go check it out at TechSmith.com. With that said, wherever you are, whatever you're doing, we hope that you're taking some time to learn for yourself. Learn how to make better images, make better videos, learn how to do all these things. And you know, it doesn't have to be a big hard process. We just want you to level up every single day. Thanks everybody. We will see you guys all next week with another great episode. Lee Rodriguez is gonna be here. He's from a company called Sunrun. He's an instructional designer. He's awesome. We're gonna be continuing our series about creating instructional videos. Until next time. Mm -hmm.